Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast, a podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things, all while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Thanks for joining us tonight. Um, we're excited to be here with you guys. I'm Lola Yamas, and I'm here with my husband, Oscar. So tonight we're featuring our um, Chardonnay that's from Carneros. So we were, I think, a little bit different than some of the other MAVA members. We're one of the smaller producers. This wine label is not our main business. It's more of our little side hustle. We started this brand in 2009. And it was really more of a passion project, something that Oscar and I talked about, something he really wanted to do to honor his family. Oscar grew up, well, he'll tell you in a moment, but he grew up as a migrant farm worker. And there's a lot of um, Yamas family that still work in the vineyards and various aspects of the wine industry. So we thought it would be pretty cool to, to have this label and, and just something to honor and acknowledge them. We kind of jumped into this. <laughs> Um, just kind of by the seat of our pants. Um, we didn't have a wine industry background. Um, I work as a paralegal in a litigation firm here in Napa and Oscar has a body shop and neither of us had wine industry backgrounds. So um, we just kind of learned as we went along. Um, we were fortunate enough to have our nephew um, that had wine industry um, experience join us in what, like in 2011? I think he jumped uh, on board 2011. Yes, 2011. About 2011, he joined us and he's um, self, he's a self-taught winemaker. So um, it's been great. So it's just the three of us and we're super small, 300 to 500 cases a year. And we do just the Chardonnay and the Cabernet. It's been a really good experience and really um, great to meet like all the members of MAVA. Yeah, so I was born in Guadalajara, Jalisco, Mexico, came to the United States when I was six years old and spent uh, about 13 years uh, farming or actually uh, harvesting different fruits beginning in the Coachella Valley and ending up in Washington. So all throughout California, Oregon and Washington, my family and I would harvest anywhere from, you know, table grapes, uh, Oranges, lemon, cherries, cherries, lots of cherries, <laughs> uh, pears, and you know what have you. So I spent uh, my whole childhood working on the field. So I do have a, a big, you know, farming background. I'm the youngest of my family, but I was the first one to separate from them uh, because um, wanted to, you know, uh, try to better myself, and I ended up. Well, going... I say it's because he met me, but. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think he just wanted a, a, a more stable. Um, sure. I, I, I think I got tired of moving around, you know, because we were moving around like, I want to say like once a month, we would be in a different place. And so. Uh, Eight months here and four months in Mexico. I decided to, to go to school, you know, so I ended up going to auto body school uh, when I left my family. So I went through two and a half years of that program and ended up, you know, beginning my, uh, my shop 27 years ago. I think I started my business was when I was 22 years old. But anyways, going back to, to uh, the wine, most of my family, probably 90% of my family, including my brothers and sisters, are still farming uh, grapes here in Napa Valley. So they're, they're actually the ones doing all the work in the vineyards. Uh, they do farm our grapes. We as a family, or I want to say they, they did, they started developing one of the best vineyards here in the valley back in 1992. From day one, uh, they've been there uh, farming the grapes, and that's, that would be a stagecoach uh, vineyard. You look that vineyard up, it's about eight, 800 acres planted, uh, and it's mostly Cabernet, so um, that's where our cab comes from. Correct. And so um, that vineyard was essentially developed by my family. So we source our grapes from from those uh, from we have, we we actually lease a, a piece of land that nobody can touch but but us. You know, we've had it since 2013. So essentially, it's our vineyard, uh, and um, they farm it the way we want and need to. So it's a pretty pretty special uh, vineyard up there. And uh, like I said, it was it was my family that uh, that developed it uh, since day one. But we are tasting the uh, Chardonnay at this time. Please tell us, like, what about the Chardonnay? I pour, I think I poured myself a little bit too much. <laughs> I just am so used to like <laughs> nothing wrong with that, you know. <laughs> so, but tell us about the Chardonnay. What's gone into the Chardonnay? When we smell it, when we taste it, what are the things that we should be taking note of? Well, it's definitely a very crisp and clean Chardonnay. I'm not a big white wine drinker, but I do love our Chardonnay because it's um, it's very light and it, it goes very well with seafood, made in the style that we really enjoy. Um, so it's done mostly in stainless steel, with a little bit of neutral oak. So um, when you do smell it, you get a little bit of peach, pear. Every palate and scent is nose. different, or nose is different, uh, you know, from everyone. But right. uh, <laughs> what do you get? Apricot as well. Just you know, different fruits. What do you guys get? As, as, as well as as uh, as floral, yeah, uh, scents floral. as well. I'm definitely getting the floral. I would love to hear what yes. you guys are, what everybody else is smelling. I smell pear. Yes, definitely. But I agree. I'm not a big Chardonnay fan as well. And this is the first time I'm tasting it. This is the first time I'm tasting your guys' Chardonnay. But I like it because I'm not somebody who tends to like very sweet wines. I tend to like on the tart, but it's also really light on the tongue, which I appreciate. Yeah, so one of my favorite white wines is um, Sauvignon Blanc. And so we really wanted to make this Chardonnay more more on that side of of a uh, light, lighter wine versus, uh, you know, oaky. the heavy, buttery, oaky uh, wines like you get out there, you know, sometimes. And that's <laughs> actually, I was talking to some people, that's exactly what you think of when you think of Chardonnay is heavier, buttier, buddy, buttery, <laughs> <laughs> buttery, oaky. So this is a lot cleaner and brighter. 
So when you guys decided to do the winery, because both of you still have full-time jobs, which is right. crazy, yes. like which is crazy, and still being able to do this, how are you guys able to kind of balance both of those things? Coming a little more challenging because as the brand work the uh, brand. grows. Yeah, you know, because we, you know, as I said, our first vintage was 2009. Those first couple years, we're still trying to figure out, you know, okay, are, are we going to, is this just our, well, is this a hobby or are we going to try to make this into a business? And so it was a lot of back and forth. And then finally just committing, I think, and in 2013, we're like, okay, let's try to sell it. So we didn't actually start selling it till the end of 2013. So it's been a very slow process, but I think once we joined Mava, which I want to say it was like about 2015. Um, we, you know, we met some great people. We started doing a lot of events and, um, little by little there was, there's been a little more brand awareness. Um, that that's been a struggle all along is, you know, Oh, Yamas, I don't know who that is. And then of course they'll, you know, want to go try something they do know. So, um, but little by little, I think, you know, people are, are, are getting to know us and the brand and yeah. yeah, we do uh, have a, a smaller Small uh, following. <laughs> following, but uh, we yeah, just added good. all of these other people as new followers. <laughs> but yeah, slowly but surely, it, the brand is growing. Uh, we have clients, uh, you know, a lot of clients in Texas and Florida, Florida. you know, just different yeah. states. So that's primarily how we would sell our wine would be and um, we would travel and do wine dinners in our clients' homes or at restaurants and, you know, they, out of state between the three of us, Alex, Oscar, and I, we would do that. Um, so sadly with COVID, it's just been, it's been really hard. It's hard to sell the wine and when you can't be in front of people and can't travel. So it's been a challenge. <laughs> so you were saying that Oscar, you're, a lot of your family is still harvesting the wine. They're still working the, the fields and everything. So farming uh, the yeah. lands, yeah. How do you balance that between having family that's still tending to the vines and working that and really, in the, and then also now you're producing the wine? Does it seem like it's a natural flow or does it seem kind of odd that you're, you still have family that's tending it and now, but in, you're on the other side making it? On one side, it's good that they're still doing it because they are farming our, you know, the grapes that we uh, turn into wine. And so if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be making the wine because uh, that's kind of our motto is to, to source grapes from vineyards that are, that are farmed by our family. One of my nieces was in the crew that, uh, you know, that picked the Chardonnay. Um, Alex's mother, who is our winemaker, our nephew, my sister, she worked on the, uh, on the Chardonnay for us, farming it. So it's an honor to say that, uh, my family, you know, the Yamas family farmed our grapes. And this is what you're tasting right now. When you say Yamas family wines, it really is a family affair from harvesting to making it. Oh, I said, I think they feel really proud that, you know, their name's on the bottle. They, they just, they put that extra effort and TLC into it, you know. Definitely. Hi, tried Chardonnays before, which... Uh, they haven't been all that great. They've been a little bitter. And I, you know how you have that. And then when you're trying to savor it and you get your, it hurts, you know, you're, you're yes. right. Uh-huh. <laughs> a little tart. Yes. Uh, yeah. But this is, no por nada, but this is wonderful. I'm really enjoying this. 
And I was asking Eva, is where other than from you guys, do you, are you guys selling it anywhere else aside from going directly through you guys or? Website and in a couple of restaurants here in Napa. So just locally. Yeah, really. locally. As I mentioned, you know, we're <clears throat> super small. This particular vintage, we made 285 cases. So I yeah. guess we need a field trip. We're right by uh, San Francisco airport. I was oh, nice. about three weeks ago. We don't have a tasting room, but we happily host people um, here at our home. Um, Oscar is a wonderful cook. We'll have a carne asada if you get a little group together. Um, we're happy to do that. I'll bring dessert. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think we're going to have to do a wine and cheese man. Napa experience. Experience, yes. yes. For sure. <laughs> I'm it's only natural. It's really great. Congratulations. It it's awesome. It I love good. it. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Oh, what is this small little icon on the bottom oh, right of the bottle? So mean? funny. I was just going to talk about that or have Oscar talk about it. So that's Oscar's <coughs> father's cattle brand in Mexico. So I wanted to honor uh, my father as well. Uh, he passed about three years ago, but he retired a long time ago from the vineyards, I can say. And so I wanted to include him and incorporate something special on the label. We decided to do that in his honor. So this is a replica of the cattle brand. The original is actually in the Smithsonian. Oh, wow. <laughs> How yeah, did so. it end up in the Smithsonian? <laughs> actually, somebody reached out to our, our nephew, Alex. They were putting together an exhibit. For Latino winemakers. Yeah. So they were going around interviewing different people. And I don't know how they met up, if it was in an event or... Or what? It was but, in an event mm -hmm. uh, when, when they met. Yeah, they exchanged cards and then just they ended up meeting up and, and talking. And Alex, you know, was talking about, I thought you had been at that meeting too, but maybe not. No, so I was not. Talking about the, the you know, the logos and, and the brand. And um, he thought it was a great story and came back to Alex a while back or a while later and asked, you know, if there was any way that he, we would give the original donate the original yeah. to the smithsonian yeah um so uh, of course we agreed you know because it's going to be uh, preserved forever and uh it's going to be uh showcased from time to time at the museum that is so cool what is the meaning of the brand or is it supposed to it's, be it's a scorpion it's okay. just a, a scorpion mm -hmm. a very simple scorpion yeah. as you can see <laughs> do you do we know even who like sketched it or drew it out I or was came my, up with it my father your, yeah. your dad did okay that is really, really cool. I mean, the fact that you, I mean, the Yamas family wine name is going to be like literally in our country's history. That is so, yes. so cool. Yes, yes. Very special. Yeah. Um, so Matt and Heather had asked, what caused you to take the leap into the wine business in 2009? I was actually offered a ton of grapes from Stagecoach. Uh, so I decided to go ahead and, and buy that ton a good friend of mine, Matt Taylor, who is an exceptional winemaker here in the Valley, he uh, was the winemaker for Arajo uh, Vineyards uh, back then. Very special winery. It's actually owned by Selma Hayek and her husband right now. And by the way, one of my cousins uh, is a cellar master there and lives on the property. You guys are just um, getting fancier and fancier. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, uh, uh, Matt Taylor... Uh, 
offered to make the wine for me for that one ton of grapes, which the, it turns out to be about 50 cases. So, And the plan was just to drink to, it ourselves to drink and share it, it with and friends. share it with the family. But it turned out so good that, uh, you know. <laughs> it was Syrah, right? Yeah, it was a Syrah. A ton of Syrah grapes. But I got hooked on it. And so I'm like, okay, we got to do something to honor <laughs> our family. Because those grapes uh, back in 2009 were also farmed by uh, the Yamas family. Oh, wow. So yeah. Sandra is asking why steel tanks or why steel barrels? So you don't get any of the oak versus using the oak. That's how you get the buttery taste and oaky buttery, the big uh, Chardonnay, like Rombauer, for example. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but to stay I mean, away from that have a Chardonnay type, called butter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, you use this uh, stainless steel to, to get a better, uh, a crisp result. And like I said, I, I wanted it made more like a Sauvignon Blanc versus you traditional, know, Chardonnay. traditional Chardonnay. Well, it definitely works because this is definitely not buttery. And I, like I, okay, I'm not going to lie. And you guys don't lie. I'm going to ask you a question. So don't lie because I'm going to be honest. So I need you guys to be honest. Like who was kind of scared to, for Chardonnay Day? I was a little bit scared for Chardonnay Day. Not because I didn't think you guys were going to have a wonderful, because I've tasted your other wine. I can't even remember. Like, we drank a lot of wine that night when we had dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was most likely cab we brought. Yeah. I think so. But because I'm not into that buttery flavor when it comes to Chardonnays, I was a little bit scared. But I'm so pleasantly surprised by this. Like, that, it, it does not... Like I said, it's very light on the tongue. It's really like I, you can have this. I like. I feel like um, a lot of Chardonnays. You kind of, even though you have fish or whatever, it just you can't have it by itself. You have to have it with something else, right? This you can just even have on its own, and you don't right. feel like that heaviness. Especially on a hot day. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so Yvonne is asking is this uh, if the same winemaker from the beginning is still working with you now he was consulting up until 2014 I was just looking at that because I was trying to remember so um he worked with us up until 2014 and then Alex our nephew took over uh as of as 2015 yeah Coming. but they were working hand in hand yeah. while Alex was working but they were totally making the same decisions. Uh, they would sit down and taste the wines and everything. And, and uh, of course, I was there with them tasting. But they're the ones that decided when the time was right to bottle, for example, the blend that we're going to end up with. So, yes, Matt Taylor was with us uh, for up until 13, 20, 14, 2014. 14. And, yeah. uh, and he's still there for us if we need, if we have any questions or anything like that. So in other words, you know, he, he's still around for us. But What's like, your nephew's experience? Because I know you said he had previous wine experience. What was right. wine experience? So he actually has the same background as Oscar. You know, he traveled with his family, did, did all of that, um, working and, and picking mm-hmm. fruit and all that. And he, in high school, started working in restaurants and was lucky enough to um, start working for Thomas Keller at the French Laundry and was part of the team uh, that was sent over to New York to open up Per Se. Well, wait, question. Did he go to, because you're like, he just started working in restaurants. Then he's working at French Laundry. Yes. Like, no. He, they, like, it was just that kind of, like, did it he? Was. He, he was. He tells us the story, and I don't remember all of it, but he tells us this story that, like, 
he knew somebody that was working there at the French Laundry, like a friend or a relative that took the reservations and told him about a job opening. And he shows up and he like kind of had no clue of what he was walking into. And he just kind of showed up just very, I think, very confident and just, I think he actually, I don't know if somebody mistaked him for an employee that first time he showed up for like to be interviewed and he was, he arrived, they told him to wait for whoever he was going to be interviewed with. And then he was actually out there on the floor somehow helping and, and, and working and yeah. it was just crazy. <laughs> and so obviously he got hired. So yeah, his background was in fine dining for quite a while. And then he, I don't know when he transitioned into working for wineries, but um yeah, so he, he worked at Luna yeah. uh, Winery Luna. at the tasting room. Um, so he knows all the ins and outs Jarvis. of, I think Jarvis. of the, the wine yeah. as well yeah. as food. Yeah. But yeah, he acquired the, the taste right away and, and started making uh, a little <laughs> bit of, of wine on his own as well. This was before we partnered up. And so we as family, well, decided to work together uh, with him. So yeah, he ended up being our winemaker and uh, I think he's doing a great job for us. Yeah, that's awesome. So Giselle has a question. Giselle, if you, you want to unmute yourself. How common or uncommon is it to use the stainless steel barrels for Chardonnay? Because I think that's fairly unique, but I'm not sure. That's actually very common. When it's like in huge quantities, what they do is they they, um, they use a lot of uh, stainless steel, but then again, they, they put a lot of the wine in, in oak barrels and then they make their blend however their tasting is for the wines or whatever the, the result they want to get from the wine. So they, they work on the blends doing that. But a lot of the wineries use uh, new French oak for, for some of the Chardonnay and that's how you get the really buttery, uh, strong Chardonnays out there. We make such small production that... Uh, for example, we uh, we use uh, eight stainless steel barrels in just one oak barrel to get a little bit of uh, of the oak taste in there. How much wine can a steel tank versus a barrel hold? So the steel tanks hold about 75 gallons and the oak barrels uh, are 65 gallons. So how does that so it's relate to like cases? A 65 gallon barrel give you about 24 cases of okay. wine. And a case is 12 bottles, right? 12 bottles, correct. I know you guys don't have a tasting room. So during this time, what have you guys been doing? Because since you haven't been traveling, what have you guys been doing <clears throat> in regards to getting the Yamas name out there? Luckily, we have relationships with some wine tour companies that, you know, are, they do keep us in mind for certain clients, especially for, for big, you know, for big Cabernet drinkers. So they'll text me or give me a call and, hey, you know, I have this group, you know, four people this last Saturday, uh, somebody, you know, having a tasting. And so I said, okay, well, it's just me. Oscar's not here. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, they just, they come over to the house and, you know, it's outside. They, you know, we have masks and follow all the procedures, you know, just like they would if they were going to, you know, a, another winery and just do the tastings that way. But, um, you know, not, not very often, just you know, whenever the, it comes up, but right now it's, it's, it's hard. When you guys were traveling, how did you find out like where you needed to go or where you wanted to go? How did you connect with those people in order to have the <coughs> wine dinners and everything like that? Well, a lot of times we would have people reach out to us, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, just when we are at events, you know, Hey, we'd love to have you guys come out. And then we just follow up with them and, Hey, when can we come out? Can you get a group together? And 
and just kind of go from there. Yeah, and we've been uh, recommended a lot. So we've had, yeah, a couple of Zoom tastings, tastings as well. um, just from, gosh, somebody, I don't know, just a, a friend of a friend and it just, you know, referrals. Yeah, it's been growing like yeah. that, a lot of uh, referrals. Yeah. Heather and Matt are asking, do you ship to Texas and is there a minimum order? And also, do you guys have a wine club or subscription? No minimum orders and we do ship to Texas. We do not have a wine club. That's been on my list of things to do. Um, we do need to get that going. What is your most popular wine? Do you have multiple types of Cabernets? Well, they're all 100% Cabernet. Uh, we have multiple vintages. So we have, um, we still have some 2010. And then we have 13, 14, 15, 16 are the, the ones we have available now. So what 17 you, hasn't been released yet. What would you say like between all of those, the difference between, are they very subtle differences or can you, like you guys have tasted them all. Can you taste the no, difference? Yes, definitely. And we you don't, can. we don't yeah. make any, we don't manipulate the wine at all. Um, we don't make any additions. We tend to pick our grapes earlier than a lot of other uh, producers do. If you wait too long the sugar content, the bricks level is very high. And then sometimes you have to water it down to make it so it's not as sweet. We don't like to do that. We like to pick it usually earlier than most others so that the bricks are just right and we don't have to do anything. And just, it's just, it is what it is. All the only difference is, so from 2013, we have our certain block, our, is it 12 rows? They're stagecoach. Um, so the only difference is mother nature. So it's just, you know, they, and they are all different, even though it's the same block, it's just a different year and you do taste the, the differences. Same amount of uh, French oak, uh, yeah. or new French oak barrels that we use. Um, and so it should taste the same, but it doesn't. It's because it of on the mother weather. nature, right. weather, like, weather-wise, like if it rains more, if it's hotter a year. So normally for the Cabernet production, it, it's anywhere from 200 to 250 cases. 2015, there uh, was a smaller crop for everyone. Um, and that was that because I know we had the drought. We had a couple of yeah. things going on yeah, it was, in 2015. It was so we only made 110 cases of 2015. That's all that we got. Next question is, are all vintages available on the website or by special request? So right now um, we have, I don't think I have the 2016 on there, but I will add it. 13, 14, and 15 are on there. The 10, like I said, it's uh, we still have some of that, very little left of that, but we do well, have that. Well, if you need taste testing, you know, you can always send me some yes. more. So, and it's funny, people will ask me, you know, okay, well, what's your favorite? And, you know, it's like asking who your favorite kid is, but my favorite, I have to say, of, of the cabs, um, definitely right now is the 2013. That is my go-to. 2013, and then I would say 2015 for sure. Those two are like, <clears throat> I love. Anytime like, well, when we could go to dinner, now we can't because of <laughs> COVID and all the indoor dining restrictions. But anytime we would go to dinner, you know, he'd grab a bottle of wine. I'm like, oh, what'd you get? And it's like, he'd always make me so happy when he'd grab a 13 or a 15. <laughs> Those are my go-tos. So when you're ta- when we're talking about the wines and they have all of these notes, these floral notes, these different flavor notes, is that because that's what is actually being put into the wine, or is that just because that's what the grapes are releasing? Yes, that's a natural thing. You can get all kinds of different aromas and and flavors as well. You know, you can get 
It's just all up just to the crazy person. things, really. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you get like a dirty mop smell out of the wine, <laughs> which is very funky in the beginning yeah. when you open it. But uh, you let it settle down and it, and it gets better. But the taste is totally different. You know, it tastes awesome. But to the nose, sometimes you get, you know, a dirty yeah. mop. Imagine that. Yeah. Uh, but you can get all kinds of different aromas. And, it, it, you know, it changes from person to person. So there's really no wrong answer when you're, you know, tasting and smelling because everybody's going to smell something different. But definitely a lot of fruit. Yeah. A lot of different uh, fruit, berries, uh, cherries, uh, you know, just dark fruits. On uh, the caps. On the caps. Yeah. Uh, Tobacco, yeah. leather. That's so crazy that one fruit can release all of those different. <laughs> Pretty crazy. <laughs> it's amazing. A couple of questions are coming in in regards to how did the fires affect you guys this year or even in past years? 2017 was, uh, luckily, we had already harvested our Cabernet up at Stagecoach. So that was safely at, so we use a custom crush facility. So that was already in the winery. Um, in the winery so safe. The Chardonnay, we were not as fortunate. We were scheduled to pick, I believe, a week after the fires uh, had started. And so we couldn't get access to the vineyard until, I don't know, a couple weeks couple after. Weeks a couple later. weeks later, you know, we're in contract for those grapes and we tested them for smoke taint. They tested negative for smoke taint. So we had to take them, you know, per the contract. So as the winemaking went along for the Chardonnay in, the, in 2017, the smoke taint clearly came out, which happens, I guess, a lot. Um, so sadly, we couldn't we couldn't bottle it. It just wasn't up to the standard that you know that we wanted for our Chardonnay. So that was a total loss, and we had to pay for those grapes anyway. We found out and know, the winemaking and the winemaking, and we found out that we didn't have the right insurance endorsement to cover us for that. So we were out. And then for 2020, um, we were, so Syrah was one of the first vintages that we made and it's one of Oscar's favorites. Um, so we were going to try to make that again this year. And we had a contract for that as well as the cab up at Stagecoach and um, these most recent fires. Um, so we lost, we lost all of that. So we have no 2020 wine. Yeah, we lost the vintage. So no wine for this year for us, unfortunately. Wow. So you guys got to support, especially when we have our, you know, our winemakers who have, or our, our vintners who are so, have graciously given so much time to us each week. We want to make sure that we're supporting them. Thank you. Somebody had asked how, if you guys are rated by wine enthusiasts. Not, we've never submitted any of our wines to be rated. I don't know. I don't know. We just. So you know. actually have to submit. They don't. Just you have to submit. We actually had somebody reach out to Alex from the International Wine Report, and they're out of New York. New York. So they wanted to uh, taste the 2016 cabin. I remember we didn't even have it labeled yet. And so we just sent a Shiner bottle over to them. We ended up getting a 96. They rated it at 96. So that's the only rating we have for our 2016 cab. And it is, <clears throat> it is really good. <laughs> They do rate really high-end wines. If you go to their uh, their website. Yeah, we were in very good company. I was amazed. I was like, I couldn't believe that we even got higher ratings than a lot of than a lot very of the well-known, well-known like, wineries here. wines, yeah. So you say you, you lost the wine, um, the grapes for this year. Do you go and get another contract from someone else, or is it just a total loss for this year? Or how do you make up, like... 
I mean, can't. It, you can't. Um, you could buy uh, bulk juice at some point, but uh, we want to keep our tradition of making the wine from vineyards that are farmed by by my family. So We're that gonna, would be kind of cheating, I think. We, yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, as I said, we're small and we still have some, some inventory to work through. So we feel like, okay, we'll just work with our other vintages and, you know, we'll be okay. And then hopefully 2021 will be a better year. <laughs> yeah, so, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. And we lost that, that crop because that was where the fire started pretty much. It was up on, on that mountain uh, where we sourced our, our Cabernet from. Are you guys out of Napa or Sonoma? Napa. Yeah. It's from the... The Appalachian is Atlas Peak. And so it's just uh, east of Silverado Trail. So it's a higher altitude. So does that mean, does the 2020 loss make the 2019 or the 2021 vintages more valuable? I just think each vintage is going to stand, you know, it just depends on on how that vintage turns out. You know, at this point, I don't know, you're you're at the, so we use a custom crush facility um, and you're, you're at that winery more than I am. I mean, I don't know. I know the 2017 is coming along well, but I don't know how. Well, the 17 is already in bottle. Yeah, or the 18. Uh, the eight, eight, we still have 18 and 18, 19. 19 at the winery. So. At the winery. So those those wines are doing well. Yeah. It uh, just, can't wait for them to be in a bottle so we can enjoy them. Yeah. I know every type of wine is, is different, but since we're drinking the Chardonnay, I'll ask in specific to the Chardonnay. How long does it normally take between picking the grapes, doing like the pressing, doing like everything before it gets bottled. What does that timeline usually look like? So so for the white wine, it's, uh, it's normally around six months. Yeah, it's a, definitely a quick turnaround compared to the cab. The cab you have to set on them for about two years. So that's and why what's happening now with those other ones you were talking about. Takes two years for the red and about six months for the whites. I know that harvest season is like September, October. Is that for all of the grapes or is that just specific? Is there multiple harvest seasons throughout the year? Well, it, the harvest start in the beginning of August. It ends at the beginning of November. So at some point, sometimes mid-November. So it's a long harvest, but it depends on what you're doing with the grapes. If you're making uh, bubbles, then it's way early. It's like the first uh, harvest, and then you get you keep going with the Sauv Blanc and and all you know all the the white uh, varietals are the first, first ones to to get picked. It, but it definitely depends on your winemaking program. If you are wanting to make your wines, you know, if you're known for very sweet, like in your face wines that means a longer hang time correct mm-hmm. so the bricks the sugar level is going to be higher so you're going to they, they like higher yeah. uh, you know higher sugars on their wines so that that means the harvest will be later so speaking are- of bubbles i forgot so last <laughs> you guys met the one half of las amigas with miriam lola is the <laughs> other half of las amigas with the bubbles right the first Latina cuvee um, in the States? Is it in the States or beyond? Probably in the States, yeah. Yeah. I would say. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to have, like, I'm going to be interviewing her and Miriam either tomorrow or Saturday. 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 (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And, you know, I'm going to have some bubbles on Saturday with them, but... Um, how did you guys decide to go? Because we really kind of didn't go into it with Miriam. How did you guys decide to go? And are you harvesting 
what like where are the grapes coming from are they coming from your family vineyards for that the, wait for sorry sorry can i just in- interject for yes, a second absolutely. for those of us that weren't there on wednesday can you give us a little bit of backstory jessica because i'm like wait what i forgot you weren't able to go so um lola who's here with us and miriam who was with us last week they decided to come together and they told me about this. They hadn't even bottled them yet. When I had met them in August, they hadn't even bottled it. They were getting ready to bottle it. They now have a champagne or cuvee that's called Las Amigas. And it is the first bubbles cuvee from Latinas in the United States. So they kind of told us how they got together, but I really want Lola to really, since you didn't get you didn't miss much because we only kind of just showed it. I'm gonna grab the bottle so I can show everybody again. But Lola, please like get into more. And like I said, I would love to know where those grapes are coming from. So the grapes come from from Napa. During COVID, you know, Miriam and I, when we finally ventured out and saw each other, we um, started taking walks, bike riding, and just you know worrying about how we were going to keep our businesses going with everything that was going on with COVID and decided to um, work together. And we started an Instagram called Las del Vino. So if you have Instagram, please follow us. Um, So we were, the idea was just to work together, promote our wines together. When we could finally go to events, we, you know, we go to events together and promote together. And just so you guys know, I'm following all of them. So you, if you're not sure where to follow, I'm following Yamas. I'm following Yamas Sellers and Yamas Family Wines. Yeah. Yeah. So we decided to come together and just work together and and support each other. So um, as we started talking, we, you know, we thought, hey, it would be great to do a sparkling wine sometime because neither of us, you know, neither of our brands have a sparkling wine rather than one doing it or the other doing it. Let's do it together. So, um, yeah, we we mentioned it to the guys. Juan um, happened to be working with somebody that on a sparkling wine project that because of COVID uh, was not able to uh, finish it up financial reasons. And he told us about it and said, Hey, do you guys want, it's not finished yet. We could put our input into it and, you know, finish it up and bottle it. What do you guys think? And we're like, yeah, let's do it. So we just jumped on it. The four of us met, we were able to do the dosage part of it, which is to add the, the sweetness, the sugar to it. We, we had different blends and we, we all agreed, I think, right away on what we wanted to do with it. And it went quick. So it's called Las Amigas by Las del Vino. And if you look at the bottle, it has both of our logos, the Yama Scorpion brand and the Onrama, the JP logo that they use. So it's two of us coming together women supporting each other. We're mothers, we're wives, we're stronger together. And that was the whole idea. And our, our goal is just, you know, why not? We just, we need to be there for one another and, and leave our mark. So it's been very, very well received. We launched at the end of August. We are in the middle of setting up our website, but we both have it on our websites, on the Onrama Sellers and Yamas Family Wines. It retails for 65 We do have a wine club. We jumped on that. We have a wine club for that already where you can order one, three, or six bottles. And, and remember, um, yeah. you guys get a 15% discount. Yes, yes, you wine, do. Code <laughs> Wine and Cheese, you guys get a 15% discount. So 
we're really excited about it. It's been very well received and we're, I think it's just a super time because, you know, the holidays are coming up, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year. So, yeah, so we will be uh, talking with Jessica on Saturday. So we're excited about that. <laughs> That's amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm so, so excited to try it. I have a question. Will it be submitted? Will you submit it for review? No. You know, I don't think you can do that. Yeah, with, with uh, the sparkling? With sparkling. I've never heard, I've never uh, heard of that. Well, yeah, you, maybe. you probably could, but but to answer your question, probably not. It's a really high-end um, champagne yeah. or sparkling wine. Uh, it's, it's been in the bottle uh, since, since 2013. 2013. So it's made in the traditional method. You know, you can't call it champagne unless it comes from France, but it's made in the same exact process. So it undergoes the second fermentation in the bottle. It's 60% Pinot Noir, 40% Chardonnay. So uh, we only made 200 cases and we're flying through it. So we're already trying to uh, figure out our next project. <laughs> so outside of your wine, outside of Yama's family wine, what kind of wine do you enjoy? What other brands do you enjoy? It's funny because I'm a big cab girl. It's he forever was trying to get me into wine and I'm like, no, I like my mixed drinks. I like my tequila. That's it, you know? And he could not convince me. Finally, I, th- I want to say it was around 2007. I'm like, okay. But I went right, I didn't even try the whites. I went right into red and right into cap and right into the good stuff. So it's been hard to go back to white. So um, yeah, you know, we had a lot of friends in the wine industry. So I had the good stuff. So now it's like, anytime we go wine tasting, my favorite is usually like, most expensive one (laughs) but um I have a lot of favorites from Mava but definitely one of my favorites is Scalon Cellars Priority Red for sure are you talking about Mava or in general in general any wines that we love to drink um oh gosh there's so many some of my favorites are Araujo wines they're more more uh, European style, I would say, like in between Napa and, and yeah. French wines. So they're on the lighter side. And that's actually, I enjoy those more than the big traditional yeah. Napa style cabs, which are super fruity, super alcoholic and that style of wine. But yeah, Araujo, I would say Araujo, I would say. Brown uh, Estate, I have a, they have a really good uh, Zinfandel called Mickey Zinfandel. That's one. They're in Napa, right? They're at Brown yes. Estate. They're in Napa, Brown. to go, but I wasn't able to go see them. Yeah. Was it hard to bring family on board? Were they skeptical from going from harvesting to creating the wine and from going harvesting to, to the winemaking? My family that, that works the vineyards, of course, you know, they're very happy to help farm our small block that we have and so every year they all pitch in and they make sure that uh, you know that black that block gets a uh, special attention so uh, very fortunate on that side so, and yeah, then no. as, as far as um, Alex on the part of the winemaking I know he was super excited uh, to come on board with us and, and join us uh, as a partner and as a winemaker for us. It was great because for a time he lived just a few houses just down the street from us. Um, So that was great. So when we would have tastings or just we want to hang out or talk wine and have meetings or whatever, he was close by, but he moved to Colorado. What about two years ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. And uh, he and his wife bought a property out there and they're going to be planting a vineyard 
They built a house, but he's still, you know, he's still very much involved. He's still going to travel with us to do the, you know, the wine dinners. And he still comes out for all, you know, every harvest to do handle the winemaking duties. So he's still very involved, but not having him. Oh, so in Colorado, he's in Montrose, Colorado. Well, Is there winemaking in Colorado? So, well, actually, her his his in laws are in Montrose. The property they bought is in Hotchkiss. Yes, apparently there is a wine region in Colorado, mm-hmm. and I don't know if but it's right in Hotchkiss. But, but it's it, it's white. It's, it's white, white wine, wine that they produce out there yeah. because of you know the weather, the cold yeah. weather. Yeah, it's very. Do they do? I mean, what areas? Because I I've heard of iced wine, and iced wine is a very sweet wine, right? With the please correct me if I'm wrong. I just get information everywhere and think I know everything and I don't know anything. But yeah, I've heard of uh, ice wine and I, I've never tasted it. So I, I think it's very, very sweet, right? When isn't it when the grapes are pretty much like almost frozen and that's when right. they harvest it? As far as like the, the work, how do you divide the work? Like, what do you like to do? What do you hate to do? Because I'm one of the cheesemen for you. Like, this is like, oh, you go do it in your turn, you know, things like that. <laughs> So it's with Alex, as I was talking about Alex, um, he moved to Colorado. Before that, I was more behind the scenes, more the business end of it, the paperwork, the bookkeeping. And when he left, I had to like be out there and do the sales and marketing and things I wasn't used to. As I said, I didn't I didn't have a wine industry background. In 2016, I decided to go to school so that I could learn the wine business. Sonoma State um, had offered one of the first wine programs in the wine business. So I was able to do that MBA program and uh, graduated in 2017. Even though I had that education behind me, it was still a little scary jumping into that role that he had. had I was so used to him taking care of. So I would say for a while, I hated that. I hated like, oh gosh, I actually have to, you know, put myself out there because I'm an introvert. So it's hard. Um, but uh, I'd say that I love it now. You know, I like it. I'm I'm the one, I'm not that I have the most time, but I'm the one I would say that really deals with with, with a lot of the, the wine stuff, a lot of the, whatever, the business and the dealing with the emails and, you know, setting up tastings and scheduling. And then I just tell Oscar where he needs to scheduling be. Scheduling travel. Yeah, yeah. Scheduling travel and all that. And then I just tell Oscar, okay, we're doing this and be here, <laughs> be here at this time. Cause we're doing this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know. What do you, and for Oscar, I see him as an extrovert, but I think he, he gets a little shy. And even I think before this tasting, I will oh. say when I went and had dinner with you guys, you guys were the definitely the quietest couple. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you're also definitely. competing with Guillermo and Helica. Right. Yeah, so of course we're the quietest one of yeah of that of, of that group. group. But Oscar is like the social butterfly. He loves it. He loves when there's tons of people around. He's happiest when we're hosting and we have a huge group around us. I'm like that sucks all the energy out of me. <laughs> so we're very different. So he, you know, these Zoom. Tastings have been, you know, a, a learning process. So he's always like, oh, you know, really, we have to do that. I'm like, yes, it's going to be great. It'll be fine. It'll be okay. You know, and I think you feel fine once we get on and yeah. we get going, but it's always hard. It's just, I hard, just to, give her a hard time. It's hard to put yourself <laughs> out there, but you know, what is your favorite region outside of Napa? What is your favorite wine region? <sighs> so we haven't 
traveled that that much. When I did my um, MBA program, I was actually super lucky that um, an international trip was included in part as part of it. So I got to go to South Africa and France and we did consulting projects and it was amazing. So that was the first time I had traveled anywhere besides pretty much Mexico. <laughs> I would, do they do a virtual MBA program? Can I sign up for that? <laughs> And then, so I definitely got bitten by the travel bug after that. And then our son was graduating from high school and wanted to go to Italy. And that was a big dream of his. So we did, we went to Italy and we went to France in 2018. So we definitely brought back a bunch of wine, you know, from, from all those trips. South Africa had, it was surprising. It was beautiful and they had some really good Chablis. Um, I think we still have some. We haven't opened all of the bottles I brought back. France, I don't know. We brought back wine, but... I compare everything to Napa. I feel very spoiled because we live here and the wine just tasted a lot lighter. It's very different. Do you think it's because they drink wine with like every meal? So <laughs> if you had, I forget the, well, the wine that is featured for the podcast that dropped today is like 14.5%. It's one of the Rencia wines. It's the okay. Cabernet, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's 14.5% alcohol. So it makes you feel good, right? Yeah, yeah, Even just a sure. little bit. You're like, hey, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. think maybe, be, but we're not a culture that necessarily drinks wine with every meal that, but like France and Italy are. Do you think that's why maybe the difference in, in taste or lightness or alcohol volume? I don't think so. Uh-huh. I think it's just the, the wine growing, um, for example, in France, I don't think they get the weather, the, the hot weather as we yeah. do here. Yeah. So that's why their wines are a little bit lighter and, and lower in alcohol as well, because they can't get to ripen the, the fruit as much as we can. I do want to say in Italy that probably some of the best wine we had was like jug wine from a food truck just off the side of the road that we happened to come upon with a very nice man that helped us. Like, you know, I was doing my best to speak my Italian. And when we never, we couldn't speak Italian, we threw out our Spanish and we made it work, but he was very nice enough. He spoke Spanish. He helped us order our food and the wine. And it was just a jug of wine. And it was so it was really good. good. <laughs> so we have a very uh, special place in our heart for Italy <laughs> and, and their wines. <laughs> I mean, that is definitely a bucket list of my, I mean, hello, why would I not want to go to all these places? I happen, I love Riojas, so I really want to go to Spain as well. So Eva said, check the movie Bottle Shock. What is the movie Bottle Shock, Eva? I think I talked about that on our very first wine tasting. Girl, we've been drinking a lot of wine. You got to remind us. <laughs> hey, I'm about to go Tell in and wine. get other wines that we have tucked away. <laughs> I saw you guys finish the, the bottle already. Who else has finished their bottle? I'm saving mine because, oh, there, there's I another know. bottle Bye, gone. Sophia. Bye, Sophia. Thank you, guys. This is our <laughs> sign. Chuy, chuy, chuy. So Bottle Shock yeah. is um, is a great movie to watch. And that's when, did you see it? Did, do you know? Does yeah, yeah. So we, Shock, yes. yeah, so we know Gustavo Brambilla. He's a friend. Yeah. Uh, he has a tasting room in downtown Napa. He's, he's such an amazing guy. Maybe you can explain the movie. <laughs> well, I haven't, we haven't seen it in quite a in while. A while yeah. But it yeah. is about the, uh, the tasting, the, the tasting in, in France. In France where the Napa Valley wines became like known and they won the blind. Right. Right. 
won the blind tasting in France. Right. I yeah. love France. I will live in France. What are some good wines for Thanksgiving meal? I would say the lighter wines, you know, like a Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, um, Bubbles. So Yvonne's asking me, is Las Amigas more on the sweet side or is it more on the dry side? So it's not too sweet. I want to say it's it's a really good... Uh, it's a good balance. It's a good balance. I've it's had, not sweet. It's I've, not super dry. I've had a few people tell me, oh my gosh, I love Schramsberg and this is just as good as Schramsberg. I've never had Schramsberg, but normally if I get it, it bubbles, I usually get dry or extra dry because... <laughs> Sometimes they're too too sweet, right? You don't yeah, want, yeah. I don't no. want it. I don't no, want it. It's not. It's not super sweet. We didn't want that. When you guys get the bottle of wine and stuff, well, how does all that cost kind of go through? Is most of the cost go to the making of the wine, the picking, the harvesting, the bottling? Like, where does a lot of that cost normally go to? It's a little bit of everything, uh, but I think the the most of the cost goes into the grapes. Especially Definitely. where we source the cab grapes from. <clears throat> yeah, so, for example, yeah, the Cabernet that, that we acquire from Stagecoach is one of the higher-end uh, wine regions in the Valley. So you're paying premium um, prices for those grapes uh, from up there. And like I said, there's, there's about 140 wineries that uh, acquire grapes from that uh, property. And so... Uh, what they do is they make their high-end wines with those grapes. You know, it's very pricey up there. It's probably like, I want to say, 50% more that you pay uh, for those grapes up, up there than you do in the Napa Valley normally. So what makes that, like, what makes the difference of why that is so much more expensive? Just the region is super special. The, the grapes that uh, are grown up there, it's just the taste and the quality of the grapes that you get from that uh, property. And so that's why it got so popular because... They call it the Rodeo Drive of Napa, the block, or the, the area where we have our block. It's the Pritchard Hill region, and that's what they call which it. Is, that's what they refer to. Right. So it's right. they're right next door to each other. But um, that's the reason why wineries pay more for two sorts of grapes when I'm up there. Awesome. I noticed on the bottle it says native yeast. Is that a strain that you acquire or are you crushing it and just letting it ferment with what is growing on the grapes? Exactly. Native means uh, it's, it's its own yeast that uh, makes the fermentation going or right. gets it going. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely natural. Lola and Oscar, thank you guys so much. We appreciate you guys so much for being on here. We know this is not the last time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Have a great Bye. night, Bye. and uh, we'll see you back in Napa. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Cheese Med Podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Cheese Med on our website, thewineandcheesemedpodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Cheese Mint on Instagram and at The Wine and Cheese Mint Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Cheese Mint, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even